welcome to a tale of Trivals. A Fantasy Football Podcast put on by your three-peat, go with your gut, champion, and a number-loving, spreadsheet-obsessed nerd to try to find some sort of consensus to bring to you, the listener, the best possible fantasy football podcast that we can put out. Who am I joined by? Whoa, Todd, loving the energy. You're joined by Dave FF underscore Spaceman, right? Todd, this is this is a fun show we have. We're kind of doing something, a little something different tonight. And we should also do a shout out to our perennial plus one, Sean. Sean had a little procedure done. Still under the weather. It's been out for a couple weeks now. Sean, hang in there, buddy. Hopefully, me kicking Todd's ass in this draft will uh, cheer up your spirits, my friend. He's Delphi just milking it. That's that's all that's happening right now. <laughs> He's totally just milking this for sympathy. And just so we can watch more Spider-Man cartoons on Disney+. Plus. That's all. Uh, that, that's yeah. why he's doing this. Yeah, well, this is actually a suspension from his <laughs> terrible question of the day takes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we miss you, buddy. All right. Yeah. No, I mean, I felt that intro, buddy. I felt that. I have some energy tonight. I feel good. You know, a little football banter is what I'm looking for tonight, buddy. Check it in. I am uh, almost at my 10th profile for the Rookie Magazine with the IDP guys. Uh, also got the guys from the Dynasty Vipers in on that. That thing's going to be dropping right after the draft. It's going to be fantastic. My favorite Debbie League did a copycat with all the guys that are in that league, so that was exciting. And then the next day, uh, Duchesne's invited me to join a Debbie startup that's commissioned by um, Levi Valentine, the host of the Fantasy Players uh, podcast. And, I mean, come on. The moment I joined the league, the entire league was warmed. What will happen if they let me win this league? Which is a fair point, because I love to talk trash. I, I'm pretty excited about it. And then I did a Debbie episode with Kevin the Boys on Hammerjacks just this Monday, doing the top 10 Debbie um, ranks. And, dude, I love those Debbie discussions because there's simply more takes and opinions than in the Dynasty community because there's a bigger realm of possibilities. Kevin and I are on completely different wavelengths when it comes to the Ohio State wide receiver group, except that it's just stacked. And I did not stand for Kevin's disrespect with David Bell, and I, I never will. I never will, David. That's what's going on with me, and what's going on with you? I should like to add, too, that it'll be refreshing, Todd, when you finish dead last 12th in that league with a friend of the show, at Duchesne's, at Duchesne's underscore, host of the, the TT podcast, Terrestrial Takes. So that will be interesting, Todd. I'm ready for that to happen. Why do you think I'm going to finish last? Well, because you, we actually have league mates for a change that actually give you some competition. I, I'm a baller, It's not just buddy. me carrying the world on my back. <laughs> yeah, okay, buddy. All right. <laughs> Kiss the rings, buddy. What's going on with you? Well, happy St. Patty's Day, everybody. But... Recently, as far as fantasy football stuff's concerned, like about a couple days ago, a week ago now, it all blends in. I wrote an article on Talon Wallace for DLF, and I had a, I had a lot of fun writing that. I learned a couple things. Nice, quick, heart, uh, quick hitting article. Nice, easy read. That was fun. I, like this week, I recorded three different rookie profiles for Rookie Fever, and one was the, with your buddy, or I should say our buddy, Kevin Coleman from uh, Fantasy Pros on Trey Lance, which was a ton of fun. And then I've also added a bunch of important metrics like completion percentage in a clean pocket, evaded tackles, routes, breakaway runs, and more. It's my own patron-only database for NFL. So I'm really excited about that to get that stuff on there because it's tough to get that information. And to get that all the way back to 2009, it gave me a little nerd smile. I was very nerd contentment, Todd. So life's good, man. I hope all this work actually makes you competitive in our league now. I mean, I don't know if, I don't know if I'm stoppable with Justin Jefferson now on my team. Yeah, well, I just, you know, keep playing with my spreadsheets. Uh, that'll, you know, that'll keep me warm at night, at least. <laughs> I just get find comfort in my spreadsheets. Yeah. Love it. Uh, ready for the question of the day, my friend? Oh, I'm I ready for the question of the day. We've been, it's been a couple of weeks since we've had this, and I'm excited to talk about this one tonight. All right. What is your Mount Rushmore of movie villains? Four faces, mounted, in stone, forever, tribute. David. It's becoming a nasty habit of mine to spend more time researching the question of the day than the actual show. I went off with the an obvious one, Darth Vader. I don't even really have to get into it, except maybe 
if does he even belong in this list because he technically killed the emperor spoiler alert. oh i should have said that beforehand my bad um so is he even a villain anymore i don't know but yeah he I, obviously he goes up there and then my possible 101 of villain movie villains is nurse ratchet from one flew over cuckoo's nest and what i love about her, well, what i hate about her character or however you want to phrase it is that she, so she's in a position of the utmost absolute authority over the most vulnerable people in our society i mean Think about like the impact of being placed in an asylum and she has absolute power over these people's like if they're mentally fit or not. And then what she does with her position where she's supposed to be helping them, she's just pure evil incarnate. She uh, she goes like through this cunning way where it doesn't even seem like she's doing anything wrong, but she manipulates the group over the individual and wants things her way or in orderly fashion. And it's just I, what also what I think that puts her up on this list is there's no other movie character really like her in cinema. I think it's a very unique villain that hasn't been replicated. So I really like her on my list. I'm not going to mention my third face because I don't leave it to you because I think you're going to knock this one out of the park with it. But my fourth and a personal favorite of mine is Dustin Hoffman as Captain Hook. He epitomizes that constant struggle of growing up uh, and being an adult versus childhood and the fight against being an adult and a child. That's the, I love the whole Peter Pan narrative. And it's also been a little bit while since I've talked about Hook on Tale Two Rivals. So I had to get that, my quota out of the way. But I will add this. Hook, top five movie of all time for me. I loved the Nurse Ratchet call. The Hook, straight on brand for you. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Uh, I'll just jump into mine. Darth Vader's on my list. What else can you say? Like, he is, like, the iconic, like, villain. You think of villains, like, you have to think Vader, man. Like, he's up there, like, I don't care if you're not even a Star Wars fan. Like, you have to understand that he is probably the most recognizable villain in a movie ever. Now, the most recognizable villain possibly in just pop culture, I would say, is probably the Joker for Batman. And Heath Ledger, man, in Dark Knight. That was one of the greatest performances in a comic book movie I've ever seen. Just the perfect, sadistic performance. Just, it was amazing. For another one for me, when I was a kid growing up, uh, my friend Chris and I, who's um, who passed away six years ago, and his uh, anniversary was like last month. We used to like stay up and watch the Halloween series at least once every sleepover. I have still not seen Halloween three because Michael Myers is not in it, and that's a travesty. It's like poison candy or some crap. Michael Myers is definitely on the Mount Rushmore of movie villains. Dude was a savage. Just didn't even have to run to kill people. Just terrorizing. Just creepy as all hell. Michael Myers is on there. And like Dave said, also on his list, on my list as well, Kazususe. And usual suspects. Uh, I was talking to somebody the other day. They hadn't seen that movie. And I said they hadn't lived yet. Kevin Spacey just put on an unbelievable performance in that movie. And the greatest trick that Defer ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist, Dave. And then, poof, he's gone. Love. Love that movie, dude. I also have to say, you didn't ruin anything with it, but the, just people are going to love that movie. You haven't seen it. it. It's a must. Go watch. I'm sorry. If I ruined anything for that movie, I'm sorry. That movie came out like 30 years ago. <laughs> you didn't ruin anything. No, but, I ruined but nothing. The, but I feel like sometimes that movie can go under, especially, you know, Todd, we're getting up there in age now. They're these youngins. We have to educate them, you know? That's true. That's true. Yeah, absolutely. Usual suspects, must see. 100%. All right, that was a fun one, man. I will say, though, that's one I really wish we had a Sean take. I think we would have got some really interesting... We would have got, like, a bizarre answer from, like, some some Kubrick movie that's, like, obscure. I, I, I just know it. All right, you ready for the topic, man? Let's do it. I will say, before we move on, though, Jaws almost been my list, but I don't know how I could have fit that, oh. that, that mouth up on the... Oh. It's the scariest movie of all time for me, because I... I... That's a savage take. I like that one. Ugh, it's so hard. It, it was hard to leave it off, but... I actually was really happy you put Nurse Ratchet on there. She actually was in my contention. And I, I, was, I was stoked somebody else thought of her that way. So that's, that's good stuff. All right. So um, there is an insane amount of free agent shows coming out right now. Like, staggering amounts. So Dave came up with this awesome idea of we do a free agent draft. And you don't need to twist my arm into doing a draft in any day of the week. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through the free agents and we are going to give our takes, but we're going to draft them for a dynasty squad. So Dave and I are going to build a dynasty squad that's super flex, tight end premium, PPR squad, 
Don't worry. We worked out the scoring settings because as we're developing the show sheet, David was very concerned about this fake draft and how we're scoring it. Like, we're not actually going to play these teams, but Dave definitely wanted to make sure he got the scoring all set. Dave, do you feel good about, like, our scoring settings now? Like, you're good? Yeah. Well, Todd, part of my strategy is understanding the scorings. I mean, my my buddy uh, Scott Connor from the Dynasty and Jill podcast, it's like his philosophy is, number one, you got to know the you know, the lineup and the settings. That's like half the half your strategy comes from that. So, yeah, Todd. And I'm glad we worked out that third-round reversal to make this thing fair. <laughs> Yeah, we did. So we are going to do a third round reversal. So essentially, we're going to have one QB, one super flex, two running backs, three wide slash tights. So it could be a wide receiver or a tight end and a flex. We're going to flip a coin and then we're going to see who gets first pick. And then whoever doesn't get first pick gets second two. Then we're doing a third round reversal. We're just alternating picks. All right, Dave. Did you bring a coin? (laughs) I did bring a coin. I'm flipping in the air. All right, call it. Heads. It's heads. What do you want? I'll I'll take uh, I'll, I'll defend. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll defer. No, uh, I'll take I'll take the 101. All right, man. Who do you want? I'll take Dak Prescott for the Dallas Cowboys, who is returning. It was never in doubt for me. I think it was unrealistic when people started talking landing spots for Dak. It was always Dallas, and Dak currently for me is probably my QB four overall right now in Dynasty. What he did on a per game basis last year. And people are like, oh, he's definitely going to regress. That You can't keep that up. And yeah, he, is he going to make, could he regress? Yes, possibly, because he was uber efficient. But look at his touchdowns. His touchdowns were only at like 4.5% off the top of my head. He did not have an extremely high touchdown rate. Didn't rely on too much rushing or rushing touchdown. It was just pure that Dallas defense stinks and they had to throw the ball. And I, I'm sorry, I don't see Dallas's defense getting any better. And they're going to need to... In order to to win games, they're gonna have to throw the ball with those weapons. So I'm easily taking Dak in this in this format. Yeah, man, Dak got paid four years, uh, 160 mil. Uh, he's my QB six. I could definitely see that changing at some point, uh, going up, not down. That's that's his floor, the QB six for me. And he's locked and loaded with the boys, man. And obviously, the biggest benefit of this is my boy CD Lamb is gonna have an elite QB, chuck him in the ball for the next four years. Sky's the limit. Love it. Love it. Can't wait. Todd, I have to say, did you know, I think Dak Prescott, every year he's played in the NFL, has been a top 12 uh, QB. That is 100% correct, David. That is 100% correct. Which is unreal, if you really think about it. A, where he went, came from the draft, and I, you know, last year, I guess you have to go from a points per game standpoint, but that's yep. pretty freaking special what Dak has done and that kind of floor he's giving you at the quarterback position. That's unheard of as far as a floor. Right. And, and I think for a floor, for like, for me, for QB6, I think... Um, he'll probably move up my rankings, but it's really hard, like, just coming off, like, what Josh Allen just did. You still got Lamar there, Watson, Murray, Mahomes. So, like, I definitely put him over Russell Wilson now, but, like, Dak can't be lower than six, man. He really can't. Like, what else do you want? Like, him to not be a QB1? Like, yeah, he's a slam dunk, dude. Who's over him for you? I know that's, we're a little off topic here, but what, who's over Dak for you? Off the top of my head, uh, Mahomes, Murray... Jackson, Josh Allen, who am I forgetting? Oh, Watson. That's not my order necessarily, but that's the five I have over him right now. I don't have Lamar over him. I, I'm just going to fly out and say Lamar Jackson seems to be a buy right now because a lot of people have that f- opinion. In a mock startup draft, Todd, and he fell to the second round, and I could not believe it. That's not okay. Man, that's some recency bias right there, dude. That's crazy. So I am going to go. I'm going to go with Aaron Jones as one of my running backs. And my other pick will be Allen Robinson. So let's start off with uh, Aaron Jones, man. I'll dive into him first. So Aaron Jones, man, like Dave and I were talking and I pretty much said that the best possible outcome for Jones was being back in Green Bay, but that wasn't going to happen. I'm genuinely surprised that it happened, but I think this is a great move for Green Bay. You're looking at four years at 48 mil. That's a good, that's, that's not a huge payday. Like you're, you're not building an entire team around your running back with that kind of like money. So I like that move and he's been fantastic for them. So that's from just a, a actual competitive standpoint in the NFL. It's a great move for Green Bay from a fantasy standpoint. How could you be upset about this as being an Aaron Jones owner? Guy was the RB2 in 2019. He was the RB5 in 2020. 
Now, there's no need to get cute about this. We know what his role is in Green Bay, and it's a dominant one, averaging over 48 catches over the last two seasons. Like, sure, dream about him in Miami. That was the spot that I thought that he was going to go to because I didn't see Green Bay investing in him. Because when you draft a quarter, a running back in the second round last year, why else would you do that unless you're going to let somebody walk? Guess they had to change a heart, and now they're going to build around two really good running backs. But if I'm rebuilding and I have Aaron Jones on my team, you've got to be selling him to a contender. And if I'm contending, if I'm contending, I'm probably holding because I'm not getting the value I want back that's higher for two years of dominance. So ceiling, you're looking at another top five finish, floor. Looking at like a high RB2, like number 13, number 14, man. Like Aaron Jones, dude, all day. Love it. And I've been, Dave, I've been talking about how he's been undervalued for a while. And he's going to continue to be undervalued because people are going to talk about how A.J. Dillon's going to vulture those touchdowns for him, Todd. Are you worried about those touchdowns being vultured? No, I don't. I mean, it's a reality, like in any backfield, like sure. Like I, I don't, he's not a touchdown dependent running back. He puts up yards. He moves sticks. He catches balls. He's going to break some. He's going to score touchdowns. Is he going to score an insane amount and like lose some, like a few of them to Dylan? Sure. But if if I'm in a situation and I need to make a big play, I'm going to trust the ball in Aaron Jones's hands, not AJ Dylan's. Sure. I, I, the vulturing might bother me a little bit, but it doesn't make me worried. I was just trolling you, Todd. I, I like this pick. Aaron Jones would have been my number two player in my rankings for the free agents. So, I, I really like the Aaron Jones pick. I think it's interesting how you started two positional players playing a little, little game theory. Don't think I'm going to take another uh, QB here. I don't know, Todd. But I, I think Aaron Jones, he really had his value solidified here, not changing teams. Green Bay obviously values him, especially front-loading that contract. A lot of good things about Aaron Jones being paired with a, a quarterback who can target him out of the backfield, Todd. I should mention as well that I've really, really, really enjoyed drinking the tears of A.J. Dillon enthusiasts. I've never truly understood the A.J. Dillon fever because of his lack of receiving upside and he doesn't have the breakaway speed that Derrick Henry has. But then again, the other side of me does, eh, just screw it. I've just enjoyed drinking the freaking tears of A.J. Dillon owners. Yeah, man. And uh, the other thing about Jones is, too, is like since we're in a draft, like he's the only tier one running back there. Like I might even consider anybody in a tier two. It might go from one to three. That's a no brainer pick. So uh, this pick was a little harder. I mean, um, there's obviously good wide receivers, but Allen Robinson is going to be somebody who I'm going to roll with. There were some younger options per se, but Allen Robinson is like the model of consistency, man. And he, he gets volume where he goes. I'm not really sure like how happy he is about the franchise tag with all the things. He, so you sent some really negative tweets over those franchise tags, you know, and now their quarterback for him is Andy Dalton. Maybe this was a bad pick, but, uh, but yeah, no, I, I love, I love Allen Robinson. He's a guy who just continue to eat. And it's funny that Andy Dalton might be a QB upgrade. <laughs> You just hit the nail on the head. My my buddy from Rookie Fever, uh, Shane Swagger, has been t- hitting this in our direct group chat all week. People are acting as if, oh, no, this is worse news for the for Allen Robinson and blah, blah, blah. He, why would he want to sign there now And because of Andy Dalton? And yeah, would Allen Robinson have liked a better quarterback than Andy Dalton? Sure, 100%. But Allen Robinson, Andy Dalton is an upgrade over Blake Bortles and Mitch Trubisky and... Nick Foles. There's no other way to put it. So this is the best quarterback, Allen Robinson, who's been producing like a top 12 wide receiver his entire career is getting his best quarterback. So I think that's at least people people to put a positive spin on it, Todd. But I, I think he's a phenomenal buy candidate because people are overreacting to the name Andy Dalton and saying like, oh, they didn't upgrade the QB. Well, they did. And Aaron, and Allen, man, I keep wanting to say Aaron. Allen Robinson is somebody who has been productive and he's never had a good QB. Like, he just never has. He's not dependent on that. So just imagine if he actually played with, like, a pro bowler. Being crazy, man. Crazy. All right, Dave, your pick. So I have a couple ways to get here, Todd. And I think, too, what what is happening in a lot of dynasty leagues right now, Todd, is that there's been a lot of people leaving because they joined too many leagues over because of uh, lockdown or COVID. There's a lot of dynasty orphans out there. And there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of dispersal drafts going on right now. 
And this is kind of, we're kind of walking through how maybe we would attack a dispersal draft. Now there'd be draft picks involved, but this is just a fun little strategy that you can think some little game three. So I think that I just want to add that in here too, as I stall and build anticipation for my second player added to the Spaceman spreadsheet team. I actually like that take. I like that. I bet you it's a bad pick. So who's it going to be, Todd? And now I, there's a couple of different ways I could go here. I could go quarterback and try to to get the top two quarterbacks on my team and play it that way, or knowing that we're the only people on the market for quarterbacks right now, I could wait because just the quality quarterbacks aren't that great. And I know that only one player, I, I could still get another one if you went quarterback next. So in a pissing contest, I will continue to wait at quarterback and go with Chris Godwin. He was franchised by Tampa Bay. And a lot of people are saying this is, they're actually excited that he's returning to Tampa Bay. Like, oh, he started to gel with Tom Brady. He's got, you know, he's got the quarterback, an offense that's going to score some points and a lot of positive things that are being said about Chris Godwin, Chris Godwin landing in Tampa. The problem for me is, Todd, I actually hate him landing in Tampa Bay. Now, we heard the narratives that this is a good thing, but he was, he was a low-end wide receiver two in fantasy points per game last season, 32nd in targets per game, 19% target share of that offense, and he's not even dominating the air yards. I love Chris Godwin's talent. I think he's a stud. I was hoping he would have been the wide receiver one in this free agent class. Disappointed, and I understand why Tampa Bay resigned him, but he has a nice floor being in Tampa Bay, but man, the, the things that could have happened, but in, I still like me some Chris Godwin. I think he's the best available player left in, out of this pool. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from with that. I, I think saying he has a nice floor in Tampa is the best way to put it. It's a good offense. You know, you still got Brady there. You know, they had some success, obviously, you know, winning the Super Bowl. Inconsistency is something to be said about consistency. Uh, I think uh, Jacksonville would have been unbelievable with him as a wide one. Uh, the idea of him being in Cincy, playing with Boyd and Higgins would have been pretty cool. Uh, obviously, with Burrow throwing the ball. But with Tampa, like, I think the one thing that we tend to overlook is like, yeah, last year was rough. But Chris Godwin was a top six wide receiver preseason last year. And that's from what he did in Tampa in 2019. So I feel like we got to like pump the brakes here a little bit and just remember that he's a player that he became a huge player when he was in Tampa. Like that's why people fell in love with him. Yeah, I mean, I get where you're coming from. There's other places I would have liked to have seen him go, but I don't think I'm as low on the spot for him. And I do see him in with a nice bounce back. I think he's a guy in your leagues. You should be kicking those tires to see how that manager's feeling. If they're frustrated, I wouldn't blame them. Uh, maybe they have similar feelings to Dave about this. And know what your price is that you're willing to move for Godwin, because I, I do think that he's a guy to explore trying to pick up. All right, Todd, just a quick question for you about Chris Godwin. Is, I, don't, I don't think he, I would have him as a top 15 dynasty wide receiver for me right now. That's how low I am on Chris Godwin after being incredibly high on him a year ago. That, that's my problem. Do you, is he a top 15 dynasty wide receiver for you? Most likely. Most likely. I remember when we made our top 12, he was he was close. He was in consideration. Wasn't he in your top 12, or was that Sean who had him in his top 12? Sean had him in the top 12, and he was... Yeah, you had DJ Moore. That's what it was, right? Yeah, he was on, like, my 13 or 14, but I think now if we add in the rookies, like, I, I'll take Jamar Chase over Chris Godwin any day of the week right now. Oh, okay. If we're adding in rookies, then it, it, then it becomes a little bit more of a conversation. Well, actually, that's not true. The only rookie I'll take over him is Jamar Chase. That's the only one that I'm going to be that bullish on but other than that like he's probably around 15 if not like you know flirting around that 16 17 range and that's a drop man and that's only after like one year and he was banged up he only played 12 games so there's a possibility that there's a buy window there i get where you're coming from man but like we could be wrong and he could be a value right now he yeah and also too we have to remember you got to always just bet on the talent and i'm a strong believer in chris godwin's talent so I, I think that's why I went with, first off, that's why I went with Chris Godwin here is because I, I really like his talent. And two, I, he, you did see him get hot down the stretch. You know, he had that broken finger. There's a lot of things. There's, there's a lot of things that you could say why things didn't go his way. So going to next year, he could building up some better value at heading into free agency and land on another team. And this is dynasty one year bet on the talent. Concur, sir. Concur. All right. Next pick with. My third pick of the free agent dynasty draft, I select Kenny Galladay of no team. So Kenny Galladay is a guy that 
we're all kind of figuring out where he's going to be. There's a lot of rumors about him ending up in the Giants. By this time this comes out, he might even be signed by then. Galladay is a guy that's like going to stretch the field. He's going to be, he can be a wide receiver one off the bat anywhere he goes. He's got an unbelievable vertical game. He's going to be able to just eat, eat, eat in any offense. I love Galladay's potential. And the best thing for Galladay is just getting the hell out of Detroit. Please just get out of that dumpster fire of an organization. I hope all the IDP guys that are Detroit friends are listening now. It's a hot mess. So Todd, then on the reverse though, but then he's there's rumors he's going to land in New York for the New York Giants. Is that any better? No, I think I think it's kind of the same thing you just said about about Godwin, man. I'm betting on the talent. To me, like he's the kind of guy that. I feel like it's kind of a little bit like Allen Robinson. Like, like he's so good that I feel like he could be just about anywhere and produce. You know, he produced in Detroit, and it was not a phenomenal situation. Stafford's a good QB. Don't get me wrong. I would never disrespect Matt Stafford. You're borderline. We're about to Todd. Borderline. I could hear it in your voice. You're about to say some bad things. I, I pumped my brakes, buddy. All right. But my point being is that, like, I just think that Galladay's such a phenomenal talent. He's got the size, he's got speed, he's got the body control, the athleticism. He's a phenomenal red zone target. He can catch the ball anywhere on the field. I, I just love the idea of Galladay just about anywhere. And the Giants might be one of my least favorite spots because, like, I just don't get excited about Daniel Jones at all. But if anybody can make him look good, it's Kenny Galladay. So, yeah, man, I'm just going to bet on the talent and go with Galladay. The the thing about him landing in for the Giants is you're going to see that these bad, even on bad teams with bad quarterbacks, because that's what Daniel Jones is. I want to re- reiterate that. He's a bad quarterback. These alpha type wide receivers can still maintain that kind of production when they don't have a lot of other competition for targets. When they're the solo alpha, I'm not worried about Sterling Shepard. I'm not worried about Evan Ingram or whatever wide receiver they could possibly draft if Kenny Galladay's there. So that's the one positive thing. Now, I think people need to remember that Kenny Galladay is only six months younger, I think, than Allen Robinson. He's getting up there in age, and I think he's a probably still a lot. He's definitely going to be a top 24 wide receiver for me in Dynasty, wherever he lands, most likely. But I don't ever see him sniffing top 12 Dynasty wide receiver value again. Do you? Probably not. And I don't think that that doesn't mean that, like, that Galladay's not a great asset. I think that that more speaks to the depth of talent as a wide receiver. Cracking the top 12 of that position is difficult now. <laughs> yeah. I'm not trying to say either that I don't like Galladay. I just think just trying to get an outlook of maybe, you know, where his future is kind of lays, I think. is what I was trying to get a... I think my point is more like it's okay to want to invest in somebody that won't be a top 12 wide receiver. He's probably going to be able to be in that somewhere between that 15, 20 range. And that's going to be phenomenal production. And that's the kind of guy that I'd be looking at wanting to have my two on my team over a lot of white over a lot of running back twos. That's the kind of guy that I'm going to look at that's going to be consistent for me. And I'd rather be building around him than throwing a dart at a at a running back two, man. So I I, I think Kenny Dolliday is totally worth an investment. And but I do agree that I don't think top twelve is probably realistic at this point. All right, Todd. And this is exactly how I thought this was going to go with you going Kenny Galladay. And that leaves me my guy, Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju had an 8 out of 8.8 through his first two seasons in the NFL. And then he had a 10.1 with freaking Mason Rudolph throwing the ball in 2019. And then in 2020, a 5.6 And Matthew Harmon can say whatever the freak he wants in reception perception. But how are you going to be a... Juju still finishes the wide receiver 16 last season with Chase Claypool and with Deontay Johnson there and a hobbled Ben Roethlisberger, terrible offensive line, no running game, and Juju finishes the wide receiver 16 at that A dot. That's insane. I know there's a lot of touchdowns involved, a lot of volume in that offense, but a lot of things to like about Juju Smith-Schuster. And especially, people go back and look at his route tree on next-gen stats from 2018. He is not just a slot wide receiver. He can play, he can win in other parts of the field. And is he, a, can he, does he do well in the slot? Yes. Yes, he does. And he's a bigger slot. He won't even be 25 until late November. He is a stud. Now, I will couch that and say he's no, I don't think he has the top five dynasty wide receiver upside that I thought he did at one point coming off of that huge season at, as a 22 year old. 
I don't think he's got that kind of upside, but I do think he can be a low-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two for Dynasty purposes. I mean, he was a wide receiver 16 last year and not an ideal situation. And just think how amazing, and I don't think Casey's realistic. Green- New England, not anymore. Green Bay still could happen. The Chargers could definitely happen. Maybe not Washington anymore after they signed Curtis Samuel, but even Detroit as the one there. A lot of great places, but just imagine Juju with an elite quarterback in Mahomes, Rodgers, or Justin Herbert. A lot of things I could like with Juju, and I'll bet on that upside, especially with Frazier. Now, he could land in Baltimore or a less desirable situation, but give me some Juju, Todd. You, you knew this was coming. You knew this was coming. I, I, I did. So I knew I if I didn't take Juju, you were going to take Galladay anyways, honestly. So I, I was picking between those two. But, uh, dude, I love me some Juju. Um, I'm really excited to see where he lands. I'm with you that I'm still high on him. I still see him as I, I feel like him and Galladay are pretty much in that same tier, man. Like and wherever they land up, the landing spot between those two will dictate who I'm higher on. One hundred percent. You know? And if Juju ended up with the Chargers, I would be obsessed with that move. That would be like dancing with the stars wide receiver additions with the freaking footwork that those guys have with the route running, man. It would just be it would just give defenses fits, like just absolute elite separation all over the field. You would need an unbelievable pair of corners to play with Ke- against Keenan Allen and Juju Schuster. And, and don't forget, Mike Williams is back for another year, too. Now, I know people are down on right, him, Todd, right, but, but he's th- still a viable weapon. And he's going to stretch the field. And he's going to stretch that field, dude. And then you still got Eckler, who's the best receiving back in football. You know, that'd be amazing. And then clearly you got Herbert. Big part of that narrative. Yeah, and then, like, so that offensive line needs to be improved, but they got Corey Lindsey out of, like, Green Bay, man, which is a huge signing for them, so they're screwing that up. But I also think that bringing Joe Lombardi in is a low-key OC move. That's a guy who spent a lot of time with the Saints, a lot of time with Breeze, a lot of time with Sean Payton, and he's Vince Lombardi's grandson. Sorry, that's just fun. But my point being is that, like, if Juju ended up with the Chargers, uh, that would get me excited, dude. That's that's the landing spot for Juju for me. But we'll see what happens. We're on to my fourth pick of the free agent draft. And I'm going with what I would consider the tier break here for wide receiver. I'm going to go with Curtis Samuel. And Dave is, probably, Dave is probably not agreeing with me on the tier break comment, but it's true. Interesting. Interesting. I still know quarterback for Todd. Yes. Still no quarterback for Todd, which is very unlike me. All right, so Curtis Samuel, man, finish right inside wide receiver two, number 23 up in PPR. He did that with less than 100 targets and three receiving touchdowns. 200 yards rushing and two rushing touchdowns doesn't hurt him. The guy is an absolute weapon. 79.4% of his balls caught. The guy is reliable, all right? You throw the ball his ways, it ends up in his hands. I love him in Washington. Unless Kyle Allen's his quarterback again, Todd. <laughs> but Kyle Allen is not his quarterback again, David. Uh. All right. <laughs> Kyle Allen isn't. Point being is that, like, he's going to have a chance to be a legit wide receiver, too. And I absolutely love that. He's versatile. I want to see him get volume. And I think he's a great guy to pair with a college teammate. And uh, Terry McClellan. Uh, Terry McLaurin, I loved his uh, tweet today talking about what they used to talk about this freshman year. That's so fun. But yeah, Curtis Samuel is an underrated player. And he's in a situation that I feel like he's going to be relied upon and utilized a lot. And there's a reason why his former coach went out and got him because he recognizes the talent. Curtis Samuel, I, I'm all about going out and buying him wherever you can. See what people want to ask for him. If the cost is right, don't hesitate. A little reading between the lines, too. I guess the Washington tried to acquire him last year in a trade on top of that, Todd. So this is their, they're going, he's, this is the second attempt to get him and they actually land him. Really like what it does for that offense. And Fitzpatrick is, could be the quarterback there right now. Curtis Samuel probably ends up being a wide receiver three for me. Like, that's where I kind of peg him, like wide receiver three type production. I'm not sure if he's in my top 36 wide receivers or anything. That's kind of how I paint him. But I really like his talent. I think people peg him too much. They thought he was a failed deep wide receiver. Yeah, I don't think that's his game. But he's not just this dink and dunk guy, Todd, either. He's a He can be schemed. He's a weapon. I really like Curtis Samuel. I think he's one of the closer things we've had to Randall Cobb 
since Randall Cobb was at his peak, personally. That's a great comp. I, I, I love that comp. Love that comp, dude. You know? He might be even faster than Randall Cobb. I don't know. But anyway, so I have a question for you about Curtis Samuel and just his impact on that team. I read, I wish I could remember the account that tweeted out, but they basically like sm- sm- uh, sad face emoji to my JD McKissick shares. What are your thoughts on Curtis Samuel and his impact on JD McKissick? Uh, I personally think if you were relying heavily on JD McKissick to begin with is, is a problem. I love JD McKissick. He was a guy that I bought in low for a title run. I think that JD McKissick is a guy that teams aren't going to build around, man. You know, like he's not going to be a guy that necessarily is going to sustain that production that he did this year. It was also a matter of time, man. I mean, JD McKissick is kind of manufactured because they needed upgrades other places. It wasn't like they were going to say, oh, we got J.D. McKissick. We need to go get a wide receiver. I mean, come on, man. Writing was on the wall there. Yeah, I mean, I have McKissick still, and I feel like he's a good depth piece. Depending on what happens, like if, you know, if an injury spoke up, then like he could be good. But if you're relying heavily on J.D. McKissick as like part of your lineup, that that's a mistake. Really, the reason why I asked is because I want to answer. I always said the actual problem for J.D. McKissick was the second they cut Alex Smith. I think that really inflated his value last year as a someone who didn't throw the ball down the field a lot and had him as a as a safety net. Now, I still think J.D. McKissick, you know, will catch ball, like will be a target this year on the backfield. But I think Curtis Samuel there isn't what the real nail in the coffin for J.D. McKissick's value. It was Alex Smith. Alex Smith. I definitely don't disagree with that. That's a phenomenal point. I didn't even think about the fact that it was Alex Smith that was helping with that, but that's totally true. But my point being is that like J.D. McKissick is not like a piece that you're going to rely around. But here's the other thing, though, about like with Samuel. So we're talking about him being like, possibly in your top 36. I mean, the guy finished in the top 24 without volume, Dave. Like, think about what he did without a lot of volume. Like, under 100 targets, he he was manufacturing 200 yards by rushing. I mean, the versatility there is just unbelievable, dude. And if you just up his volume, like, it's he's going to go down? I think his ceiling is, like, mid-wide two, and I think his floor is, like, mid-wide three, because he did a lot. He was very productive in somewhat limited opportunity compared to the guys around him and at that like in that spot i love him i will say i don't quite think volume works that way for wide receivers like you don't just up the volume now will he have less competition for targets yes but i don't think it's just going to be an automatic oh he's got another 30 targets this year because dj moore robbie anderson and all that stuff is there i i don't i think i'm just being cautious i think i i liked i think sam is only 24 years old todd too or 25 like he's still young yeah, he's young in the prime I, I i like curtis samuel so don't don't get me wrong either i don't want to like saying like i'm poo-pooing him either i think I, it'll be interesting to see how he does changing teams with a new quarterback it'll, it'll be interesting to see how that goes but now i think it goes to me next right todd it does sir so this is where i still have a pretty it's a tough decision for me and i'm actually going to go with I'm going to play a little game theory. I'm going to go Cam Newton here. I knew that I probably didn't have to take Cam Newton because I know you despise Cam Newton, but I also have to realize that in a real draft, I think I'm going to, and this could also go terribly wrong if the Patriots draft a QB or trade for a quarterback still. So this could go horribly wrong for me, but I'm going to try to lock up that rushing upside with the two tight end offense and get me some Cam Newton. Awful pick. Um, so uh, you, you picked a quarterback that, you know, uh, he's, he's a real throwing threat there, Dave. I'm pretty sure the, uh, what are we going to run in New England? The wishbone, maybe the triple option. I don't know. Ugh, terrible dude. No, I Cam was my number four QB. So I, I, I appreciate that, bud. Yes. I despise Cam. I hated that signing back. He wasn't successful from a fantasy standpoint. I mean, he runs dude. I mean, his rushing upside is saves his fantasy value. But Dave and I were talking before the show about it, and he's like, do you think it was to do with the wide receivers? And I said to Dave, I'm like, no, I think he can't throw a football anymore. I think that his 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 shoulder is junk. I think that Cam's still a, a good athlete, and that's why his rushing upside keeps. But he's not a reliable thrower anymore. And I, I think with every move that they made, I don't think he's a starting quarterback. I don't. But I think that he's somebody who is at least a good backup option for one year for modest money. Maybe he'll mentor the guy coming in. I don't know. He's actually a good person. You know what I mean? So, like, he'd be a good mentor. But, I I mean, I'd want to pay a mentor $6 million. I don't care. It's not my money. But the point is, is that, like, I, I, I seriously doubt Cam Newton's the starting quarterback for the Patriots on come 
And if he is, it, it's it's until the other guy's ready. If it's a rookie, you know. Oh, God, I hope they don't take Mac Jones at fifteen. <laughs> well, the idea is to. I think for fantasy purposes, I think there was part of it was his offense. I mean, you're telling me that Jacoby Myers, Nikhil, even Nikhil Harry was out. Julian Edelman was out. There no tight ends whatsoever. There was he basically had James White and Jacoby Myers to throw the ball to. Not a lot of options. At least he's got some. He's got Hunter Henry now, who and Jonu Smith, who that are they are not deep targets. That's in Cam's wheelhouse. So even I do hear you. There is a risk of Cam not being the quarterback there. But there's our weapons in New England now that at least will sup will make Cam at least a little bit better. And when I made this pick, I was thinking in my head, oh, I could double up the quarterback position after I take Cam Newton, failing to realize that we're only drafting the starters for this position, so I cannot draft another quarterback of this, meaning you can wait forever, draft a quarterback. Not the best move, Dave. Yeah, so I'm regretting my Cam Newton pick, but I'm not, I'm just, I'm more optimistic with Cam, and I'm just more optimistic on Cam than everyone else because I love rushing upside. Oh, I don't disagree with that at all. I don't disagree. Like, all the upgrades are not going to hurt him. But at the same time, like, I just don't think he's good. And I don't think that he's going to be the starter. That's why he was four for me. Yeah. But hey, he's your own, man. I mean, you can't deny the rupture upside. So I can't say it's, I mean, I will say it's a bad pick, but I can't say that I'm not 100% like honest about that because I just can't stand him because I'm a Patriots fan. So yeah. All right. On to me, David. With my fifth pick, I'm going to. So up with who I think is the second best running back here. And I'm going to take on Chris Carson. Uh, model of consistency. Still don't really know where he's at yet. I think no matter where he lands, he's either the lead back or taking a good share of that backfield. I think the best thing for him would be like saying in Seattle doesn't really seem too promising at this point. Chris Carson to me, man. I, I just think that whatever saw us on the board with like Leonard Fournette, you know, Drake, James Conner. Jamal Williams, Mike Davis. I mean, it's just a different tier of player there. So Chris Carson to me is by far the best running back left on the market. By far. What I like about Chris Carson is too, is he's got a nice receiving floor. Or even if he lands on a team that has another running back there, we know that Chris Carson can catch the ball. He can do well in the goal line. He can gain that tough yard. He can break tackles. And he can break an occasional big play. There's a lot to like about Chris Carson. And honestly... I could still see him landing in Seattle with what listening to Pete Carroll talk. He said that Chris Carson's earned the right to go and explore things, but I, I there's honestly, it might be the best case scenario for him to land back in Seattle. So be interested to see what happens with Chris Carson, but I, I don't hate this pick at all, Todd. And this will be your second running back. So you have the top two running back in this draft. And yeah, thinking about the rules that we have set up, I should have gone Chris Carson or Cam Newton. Shake my head. So am I in your head? Todd, you're always in my head. There's like a little parking <laughs> spot, your reserve spot, Tifo, the jungle cat, fo- the jungle cat, Foster, the meme plays as on your parking spot. Yeah, free parking, baby, free parking, free parking. So, <laughs> but this is where I'm going to go, and I'm going to take Will Fuller. I still think that he's going to land with an elite quarterback. So, I for some reason I think he knows. You know, he's probably he he was a first round pick. He's got some decent. He's made a decent amount of money in the NFL. I think he definitely wants to a one year proof of contract or like a I I'm for some reason I think that he's going to land with a top elite quarterback. I'm holding my breath hoping he lands in Kansas City or not really but more more so I hope he's landing in Green Bay because that just seems too perfect. Green Bay they could pay, a lot of fun things could happen in Green Bay and there, I know there's the injury things but what I really like is getting a wide receiver core of Chris Godwin, Juju Smith-Schuster and the upside of Will Fuller is really attractive to me. I love the idea with him playing upside um, Devontae Adams. And I also think that he pairs so well with Aaron Rodgers. He's got that big arm. And if you, the thing about Fuller is, is that like he's going to be very dangerous in those one-on-one situations. You know, He's going to exploit any defense trying to shade towards, shade, shade towards uh, Devontae. Just Aaron Rodgers bombing that ball to him after burning the one-on-one coverage. Just makes a lot of sense. But, you know, maybe the, maybe the Packers want to piss off Rodgers some more and let him continue to have this underperforming cast around Adams. That seems to be, like, the team motto. So, with that said, I think Will, uh, Fuller is going to make it way too much money for a guy who can't reliably start on the field for multiple reasons. I 
I love Will Fuller's talent. There's just so much baggage that comes along with his injury history and suspensions that there's always a reason this guy is not on the field. And that, at this point, kind of worries me. I think at this pick, Dave, I think it's totally fine. The upside's fantastic. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I don't dislike the pick, and I Will Fuller and Green Bay, man, that I don't think a spot makes more sense than there for me, you know, for, I mean, it's a team that's contending too. And that's a huge upgrade, you know, it, it just, there's, it makes too much sense. And I, and I think what happens too in fantasy in fantasy during free agency, there's fantasy wanting. So there's a, there's a little bit of fantasy wanting here. So there's always a chance he could wind up in Miami with Tua or in Detroit with Goff. And I don't, I don't hate that because I still think Will Fuller makes the quarterbacks he plays with better. If you look at quarterback splits with him on the field and with him off the field, he is drastically improved quarterback play. So I think it would help Tua, it would help Goff. I just like Will Fuller and his value. However, I think that what's worth adding to and just talk about Will Fuller in general, I think he's right now, I don't think in existing leagues, I think it's too, he's no one's, I see it very hard that you're going to acquire Will Fuller in a deal before he signs anywhere. But in startups, say if you were, it'd be weird to have a startup right now, but actually we're in a startup right now. So there's, there are startups going on, but there's, he's a value right now in startups. But I I think sometimes people have to remember like how value works in existing leagues. I don't think a lot of people are trading Will Fuller, but where he's going in startups, he's a massive buy at where he's going. I don't remember off the top of my head, but yeah, on in startups, he's a great target. All right. So with my sixth pick, of the free agent dynasty draft, I select Janu Smith for the New England Patriots. Now, Hunter Henry is probably going to be the better producer. I've been burned by Hunter Henry before from injury reasons, and I like Janu's upside as an athlete with the Patriots. I also think he's going to be the better long-term choice. So we're looking at a guy 25 years old, Flash all over the field, was on fire at the beginning of the season. Finished the year with 48, 41 catches, you know, 448 yards and eight TDs. I love him in the New England offense. I just really hope they get somebody who can actually throw him the football. Yeah, I, I this is a potential pick for me. I don't think he's a guy that I want to go buy right now because I think people are very hyped about the move. I think you want to, like, let the dust settle let that sink in, you know, let people kind of like let the excitement die down a little bit before you start trying to go and get him. But I do think that he is a phenomenal asset, particularly in two tight end, tight end premium league. So this is a tight end premium league. So I really like uh, Johnu and my flex spot. So the only problem that Todd is that in a, in a scenario where I don't have to start a tight end, I think he's devalued a little bit. In any format where you don't have to start a tight end or you only have to start one tight end, I think the tight end value is devalued even in a premium, like only a 0.5 premium. Because the, the thing too is with Johnny is, Todd, we both love Johnny. I, I, I loved him in draft day. He was a target for me in the third round of, of rookie drafts everywhere. I had him everywhere and I traded him too soon, but I had him everywhere. And what I love about Johnny, there's a lot to love about Johnny. You said a lot of it. So, so I, won't, I won't repeat you. But the problem is, because with Hunter Henry is there, I'm just worried about his upside. The kind of the idea in this tight end range where Johnu is going to be going is that you're hoping that he cat that those tight ends catapult into the top five. And I just don't ever see Johnu now because of the landing spot, unless they get some dynamite quarterback. I just don't see it happening. Him ever reaching that top five upside anymore. Yeah, I mean, I could see that, man. I get that. I, I I'm going to go on the opposite side of that and say that. I do see him having that top five upset. I also upside. I do also seeing Henry having tight end one upside. I don't really see what wide receiver is threatening these two into not being the one and the two for New England right now. I mean, so for me, like my my flex spot for a guy that I like that's for high potential. Yeah, I, I like Johnu, and I also think Johnu is going to eat in that red zone. I, I think he's he's proven that he's a red zone target already with eight TDs last year, and I think that he's going to do the same thing in New England. And I also think New England's going to be able to scheme him a little bit differently. And I just love the upside. Yeah, Hunter Henry 100% hurts it a little bit. But I had to pick one between the two. I wanted one of the two out of the share. I actually was just going to take the guy you didn't take, but I guess you're not going to take either. And I think part of the reason is, too, is like 
There's no running back on there that entices me for Dynasty. And when it comes to wide receiver, not really either there either. So I thought Johnu just had the best upside out of what was left there. But I do get your point about not needing to start a tight end. But it just so happens that I think that the tight end, that this tight end was the best potential at anybody left in the draft. And I have a feeling who your pick's going to be and why you disagree with me. So go ahead, David. I actually have two spots, actually technically three spots I could go right now off at least three. But what I'm going to do is I'm going, oh, geez, it's tough. <clears throat> because we have to start two running backs, I'm going to go with Leonard Fournette. The idea that I think I've heard a lot of buzz about him landing in Seattle. And if Seattle goes to a ground and pound offense and Seattle does target their running backs a little bit, that would be great for Leonard Fournette. I just think there could be a lot of a touchdown upside. A lot of good things could happen, come from Leonard Fournette if he lands Seattle. Now, obviously, he could land in a lot of different places, but I think wherever Leonard Fournette is going to go, he's going to have a role. And the idea is this is a dynasty league, so I could probably target running backs in a different way, in a different spot, but at least to have Leonard, if like, say, if Leonard Fournette doesn't play out for me, but the idea of just at least having one running back who could at least have a starter role, I'm going to go with Leonard Fournette. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of a no-brainer. Like, Fournette's by far the best guy left on the board. Uh, he had a little bit of a rebirth with Tampa a little bit. Uh, definitely showed that he still got some legs there. Just saw him for in general. He might have some of my favorite high school football highlights. They are fun to watch, by the way. That's just a little side tidbit. But no, man. Side definitely. tidbit, Todd. Uh, come on. The, you know the people playing at home are waiting for you to reference some kind of high school tape. So that's for the <laughs> listeners right there. Take, you know, the bingo cards. There we yeah, go. Man. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. You know, get, get, get your bingo cards out. I reference high school highlights. So uh, Leonard Fournette. DJ Ugalele, there's another one for you. Yeah, man. So I, I love that pick. I think I think Fournette's by far the best running back left. He's probably the guy with the cleanest uh, the cleanest row to like good volume wherever he ends up. So yeah, Leonard Fournette, good pick, dude. David, I have a QB and a super flex left. I am going to fill my super flex spot, David, and I'm going to take Jameis Winston, and I'm okay with that because I do think he beats out Hill. I think Jameis Winston has shown that he could put up touchdowns. He could put up yards. He's still not old. He's 27. It's interesting. That's when Breeze ended up on the chart on the Saints, I think. I'm not saying it's the same thing. It's just an incident's coincidence. So the big thing with Winston is always like his, his turnover potential, you know, in his game management. And if there was ever a coach I'd want to pair with him to work on that, it's Sean Payton. They re-signed him, and it's going to be a competition between him and Hill. And the thing with me and Winston is, I, do I think he's a better quarterback than Hill? Yeah, I do. And I also think Hill is more valuable not being the quarterback. <laughs> I think that he's a weapon. I think I got a steal there. I, Jameis Winston was my was my QB too, man. So, yeah, Jameis Winston, all day. A lot of risk, though, Todd, as your starting quarterback in this format, especially, say, if we were going head-to-head and I got Dak going for me. A lot of risk there, man. I had I had nothing to compete with Dak. I I rather have Jameis than Cam Newton. It's I I rather have a guy that actually can throw the football than a guy that what did like came at five passing touchdowns last year. I mean, come on, dude. You know. Yeah, so, I just want to say that I had Dak. <laughs> uh, yeah. So like pretty much like whoever got the first pick got like the one QB stud. So yeah, what was I gonna do? Once I once you got the first pick, I was like, yeah, I'm waiting on QB. I don't even care who I end up with. So. I just enjoyed you trying to like, yeah, Dave, yeah, like yeah, and then I was like, yeah, I just want to say I have Dak. <laughs> All right. All right, man. Your pick. You got a flex and a running back left. Man, this kind of hurts me right now because I wish that running back spot was a flex spot, but I have, but you know, I got to go. I need to fill that with the running back. I don't care. I'm not going running back here. I'm going Corey Davis, making sure he lands on the Spaceman spreadsheet. Think about it. There's no other really wide receiver competition besides Denzel Mims. And I guess there also is uh, the slot wide receiver there, Jameson Crowder too. So I, I just, and I, and I'm hundred percent on board. I think that the Jets are going to have either draft a quarterback and upgrade over Darnold or land a Deshaun Watson. I think those are the two realistic things. I do not think Sam Darnold will be the quarterback next year. Now, the best plan, the you know, the best plans of mice and men, you know how that goes. But yeah, I like the idea of Corey Davis it, with that offense. I think Corey Davis is going to have a nice little target share for himself there. And I'll, I'll take that at the spot in that draft, in the draft, because they invested some money in him too. So I think that guarantees him some kind of target floor. I, I, I'll go Corey Davis. Yeah, man. I mean, he sucks. Um, <laughs> 
Hey, Todd, he's on the member of the Gender Neutral Drinks championship team that beat you last year, my friend. How many points he put up in the championship? He was there for moral support, Todd. Moral support. <laughs> With his zero points. And I just like that I had a guy score zero points and still beat you. <laughs> yeah, it was. It hurt. Um, so anyways, yeah, Corey Davis, yeah, that was the only guy that I was considering over Johnny Smith. Um, yeah, man, it's a good pick. I mean, you're right. The only guy there that can beat him out is Mims, and I think Mims is going to be the alpha. I do. So which means that like Davis is kind of falling into the in the Y two role. I just I just don't get excited for a guy in like like I can't get excited for a guy landing to the Jets. Like yes, the succubus is gone, hundred percent. I, I I'm not hung up on that, which I know a lot of people probably think I would be, but it, it's just a team without an identity. There's a lot of QB questions going on there. There's a lot of it's a it's a huge turnover. It's a it's a big rebuild. So. Yeah, I mean, I could be wrong, and he could eat, and he could easily be the wide one there. I just, I just can't get excited about where he ended up. So I went to a guy where I was excited with him getting up, and yeah, hundred percent, me being a Pats fan might have something to do with it. I'm not, I'm not going to deny that. With my last pick in my quarterback position, Fitzmagic has arrived, and I could not be happier. Love Fitzmagic. Um, I do think that he ends up being the starter of Washington to at least start the year. I could see him being the starter in Washington for the rest of the year, depending on what happens in the draft. Yeah, I I absolutely love this for McLaurin, man. I think that he's going to just do so well with Fitzpatrick as his QB. Uh, having Samuel there, he's got targets. He's got Antonio, you know, Antonio Gibson coming out of the backfield, like we just talked about J.D. McKissick. I think uh, Wilkin Thomas is a guy that's uh, getting a little underrated after having a very good year. So he's got good weapons around him, good offense. They're contending. I love him with Ron Rivera. I would love nothing more than a whole year of Ryan Fitzpatrick starting the Washington football team. All right. So I have to go running back here, Todd. And oh, sometimes on podcasts, Todd, there's some things that are said between co-hosts that never make the air. But man, that just makes it a freaking fun time having a podcast with you, my friend. Absolutely, buddy. <laughs> Good times. I am kind of stuck in a pickle here. So I actually kind of want to walk through my process here because I'm looking at the available running backs. The guys that I'm kind of thinking are are there's James Connor, there's there's James White, who and then also too there's Kenyon Drake. Those are kind of the three main guys that I'm trying to pick behind. And if I was trying to win now with this squad, I would probably want to and like it was just me versus you, I'd probably take a swing and go for James White here because I think he's going to land in a place that could use him well, but I think there's a lot of risk involved there. So I think I'm going to end up going James Conner, I really think that he could land land on a role a, a, a squad where he could get you know a couple of carries a game, maybe some goal line looks, and even if he doesn't find like that starting role, maybe he gets Lux into someone you know an injury, and he can get a couple uh get a a run of a couple games as a starter and do something with it. So I'm going James Conner. All right, so the free agent dynasty draft is done. So. Dave's squad at QB is Dak Prescott. At Superflex is Cam I Suck Newton. Uh, at running back, running Leonard Fournette. His other running back, James Conner. At wide receiver one, Chris Godwin. Wide receiver two, Juju. Wide receiver three, Will Fuller. And in his flex, Corey Davis. And on the 3P Tail 2 Rivals Dynasty League Championship, uh oh excuse me owner's squad we have a qb fits magic a super flex Jameis winston rb1's aaron jones rb2 is chris carson wide receiver one is alan robinson wide receiver two kenny galladay wide receiver three curtis samuel and at flex Janu smith so i think we'll probably post a graphic of these squads along with the episode and uh We'll probably put a little poll up, Dave, see, uh, see what people think. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I think what it's really going to come down to is how maybe Corey Davis versus Janu goes, because I think, you know, I'm going to get the quarterbacks. <laughs> I mean, I'm, being serious. I'm being serious. I'm looking at the teams because, you know, Allen Robinson, you can make it. I, I, it's, it's coming down to the flex spot. It really, I think it is, because it's going to be Dak over, is going to, like, lead me for the QBs, but then you got Aaron Jones over is going to help you carry the running backs, and then it's, and then it's I, we both have pretty decent wide receivers. It's come down to that flex spot. It, it, it's interesting, Don, how this is going to work out. 
I, I like it. I like it. It was it was a fun show, man. It was a good idea. It was a good format, buddy. A little right? different. This was just a different way because we we get it, everyone. Everyone is talking free agents. This was just a little, hey, this is a little strategy. Have a little fun. Let's banter. And just hang out with Todd and Dave for a little bit. Old school style. Yeah. You know, have, hey, hey, I hope you enjoyed the drafting process. David, tell them where they can find you, buddy. You can find me at FF underscore Spaceman Dave Wright. You can also check out my FF underscore Spaceman Patreon page. Most of the stuff there is free. My free college prospect database, my free weekly, my in-season weekly database is there. And there's a lot of great tools for people to have for free on my Patreon. And there's also some premium content as well. Check that out. And like always, check me out over on the Rookie Fever podcast. Doing a lot of week. We're doing three rookie profiles per week and an additional show. So four shows per week from Rookie Fever. And then always on DLF, Dynasty League Football. And always check out the old Twitter feed to see where I am. Always I'm an occasional guest appearance, Todd. What about you? What, what's going? Take us away, Todd. All right, you can find my writing over at the IDP guys. Uh, I'm putting out Devi content, like I, uh, I said in the last show. I put out a running back transfers um, article, big on Ingram, big on Ingram and USC for all my Devi people out there. Love that. Uh, yep, I'm going to be doing some more stuff on that. Going to be focusing on the 2024 class to help out with your startup drafts coming up. Um, I definitely look out for the IDP guys uh, rookie magazine. We've been working hard on that. Uh, I got a few uh, Vata boys from uh, Matt Donnelly. That's all I asked for, buddy. Uh, I just look for some praise. But um, yeah, no, so that, and uh, you can always find me at the Tales of Rivals, ready to banter, and hit me up on Twitter, man. Um, but yeah, so I'm definitely going to be dropping some Debbie content soon. I know I keep saying that, and uh, when life allows it, man, it's going to start. So, uh, David, it's a good time, brother. Good time. Good time, everybody. And just remember, too, a lot of, per- lot of stuff's going on for people. We're getting towards the end of this whole COVID situation, hopefully, as people get vaccinated. But be nice. Be kind. You never know what people are going through. You know, have a little extra patience with people. Reach out to your loved ones and just let them know that, you know, you're thankful, you're grateful for them. Because, you know, this is what it's all about. It's about people bantering with the old, the FFF underscore banter man and even the old walrus candy over there. It's just about, you know, it's about friends, family, and just remember what's important here, people. And, and you know, is that people have lost people and there's been a lot of loss going around. So, yeah. Pat. You know, reach out to your loved ones, reach out to your friends, and just enjoy what's important, everybody. Well said. All right. Happy tray hunting, everybody. Todd, Todd Foster. That was just the two of us. Just the two of us. Just the two of us. You and I. Um, that was fun, man. That was a good. That was a good time. A little draft back and forth. It was like uh, I was playing a game while recording a show. It was a good time. Yeah, I mean, we've been dra- I mean, we've been in a bunch of mock drafts with each other. We've done a lot of rookie mocks, so this is, we just couldn't get enough mocks. So we're like, let's let's do this mock too. Did we ever tell the story live about, like, when you fooled me? Like, did we get that into an episode? Oh, no, we didn't. Yeah, so what, what was funny is I said, Todd randomly joined a rookie mock. We both happened to join this rookie mock. And Todd, like, in the chat, he moved. He's like, oh, I'm going to – he switched to be in front of me in the draft. He's like, oh, I'm going to snipe Spaceman. And so I typed in the sleeper chat. I go – That was a flawless impersonation of my voice, by the way. Flawless. I'm going to snipe Spaceman. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't. I, <laughs> that was flawless, buddy. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, going that that movie villain voice. Yeah. <laughs> say that all the time. Oh yeah, that's just Todd just walks around, just rubbing his hands together. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna win. Like I'm Mario. gonna win. <laughs> Love it. So. Yeah, and so in the chat, I went and I posted FF underscore Spaceman has left the. The draft and Don texted me right afterwards. He goes, You left the draft? And I go, No, but I that was perfect. I didn't. I got you. And yeah, it was pretty hysterical. I'm like, That'd be really good. That was well played, dude. It was funny. And, and then so I posted that screen, both screenshots of me typing, I had left the draft. 
and the screenshot of Todd, Todd's that you really left the draft. I said, no, but this was perfect. And then some guy, Corey something, I can't even remember his freaking ha- anymore. Bobby. Bobby something. Mr. He's been a real asshole. It was actually perfect that I, I blocked him afterwards because I, I haven't really had a chance to like block a jerk. And it was fun. It, was, yeah. it felt really yeah. great. It felt because he had been he had been a couple of jerk to a bunch of people. But anyway, he retweets and says, I don't know. This seems a little bitchy that you left the draft because I said, oh, this is the perfect way to deal with a troll referring to Todd. He's like, I don't know. <laughs> Seems a little bitchy that you left the draft. And it was such a troll move by me in the beginning. <laughs> so it really was the perfect way to deal with me. It was so funny. Yeah, was because so we just had fun. Funny. It was a laugh. Oh, and you can tell this guy doesn't follow us at all because we, this is just constantly yeah. on our Twitter. So, A, so this is just shows you that this, this follower had no worth for me if he doesn't even know anything what's going on as far as, you know, basically he just saw the tweet and decided to, tr- to be an asshole. Right. And... So then I quoted him. I just basically said, A, if you think that calling me a bitch is a, is a insult, then you, like, whatever, loser. And two, and I just outlined him and I like cer- screenshot it and circled things that were clues that showed this wasn't real and then pointed to the screenshot and just called him an idiot, actually. It, you're like, yeah, you need help reading. Here's some reading comprehension points for you. And yeah, it was pretty. And there's actually some people also who are like, agree, oh, this is really bitchy. And then like the guy, one guy backed off. He's like, oh, oh no, wait, wait. He was just joking. It was just really funny to get get the troll and then to, and then he doubled down afterwards. I was like, oh, he did. He doubled down blocked. hard, dude. It was it was hysterical. I was yeah, just like, it was wow, good. Wow, man. Wow. But yeah, no, that was funny, man. That was funny. That was good times. And by the way, Leatherberry equals Jonathan Adams Jr. Can we just make that a thing that trends? I'm dying to get that to trend, dude. That's the guy I've been using as my placeholder for every single rookie mock. Because they don't have Jonathan Adams <laughs> in the pool, so and, and I know the director of Sleeper listens to us regularly. He's probably a friend of the show, Todd. Well, yep. maybe not anymore because I always crap on Sleeper. But <laughs> if you're still listening, my friend, I, 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 you know, I just wanted to say, can you please also add Isaiah McCoy? Yeah, please? please. You've got some of the most random, yeah, wide receivers I've never heard of before yeah. in my life. But you don't have Isaiah McCoy in there or Jalen Darden. From North Texas. I mean, yeah, dude. I mean, it's crazy, dude. Who Like, those are like three legit, like, players that they don't have in there, man. That's crazy. Crazy. Love it, man. Love it. I'm going to stop the recording real quick.